You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, Bears fans, and welcome to episode six of the Bears Link podcast. I'm your host Andrew Link. And big game coming up. Big win against the Vikings last week. Got the Lions coming up on Thanksgiving. Some injury news. Some interesting things going on. Lots to talk about today. So let's get it on. fans as i mentioned this is episode six of the bears link podcast and with me today as always is my co-host my little brother kevin oh i'm i'm co-host now that's nah, pretty, well that's pretty nice. what do you think what do you think you're doing here just adding commentary <laughs> that's a co-host just talking <clears throat> so uh bears took a commanding lead in the division after last week's win over the Vikings. Uh, good win. Defense looked great again. Um, offense was a little little wishy-washy. I think there were some some questionable decisions by Matt Nagy in that game. There were some questionable decisions by Mitch Trubisky in that game. Um, otherwise, I, I think for the most part it was a, it was a solid win against a, a, a pretty good Vikings team. So, yeah, that was the win everybody was looking for. Um, thoughts on the Vikings? I feel like the Bears have developed, like, a, a formula of sorts to to winning and also kind of losing where they they jump off to these great starts and uh, then it's just about uh, holding on for dear life a little bit, you know. <clears throat> and they thankfully, you know, a lot of these games, they get out to such big starts that it's really not really holding on for dear life so much, but... Um, it's kind of like just bringing in the bullpen at that point and closing the game. So, you know, not to be negative, but a, something that was on my mind watching this game, and I, I feel like I haven't really seen anyone talking about it, was uh, Allen Robinson had a couple of moments that I was very displeased with. Um, and I was kind of, I don't think I ever talked about it on, on here before, but I, I was few weeks ago I was kind of questioning the even signing him we were kind of doing just fine without him and then he came out and had an awesome game and I was happy to eat my words um, but then this game happened and the the two moments I'm referring to is there was a play these might even been consecutive plays I'm not someone told me they were consecutive they were consecutive. um a play down the right right sideline where the ball was underthrown but he could have just come back for the ball and forced a uh, pass interference or something at the very least he didn't even try he just continued running his route and the ball fell behind everyone 
and it was just a very strange play. I don't know if he was even looking. I, I have no idea what happened. Then if it was consecutive plays, and the next play I'm talking about is the interception yep. where he, like, I guess he got walled off on his route and, you know, whatever. I don't know whose fault. I don't know if there's anyone's fault. Maybe it's just a good defensive play. But then he just kind of stood there as the interception was developing and had seemingly no interest in participating in that play. And then he kind of started running when he saw the guy was returning it. And then he saw that there was other players ahead that were going to tackle him, and he stopped running again. It was just very, like, just disappointing. It's like, geez, what are you doing, man? But overall, though, looking at the wide receiver play, they've made, including Allen Robinson, I think Gabriel Robinson and Miller all made catches where they got wailed on immediately, and they uh, they held on to the ball. So it was a pretty impressive performance other than those two just very odd plays by Allen Robinson. Yeah, I um I actually had had tweeted out um gifs of both of those plays earlier today. So um so clearly I don't follow you on Twitter. <laughs> I uh yeah I, I I've not been real happy with, with Allen Robinson's play, uh personally. If you know somebody pointed out, you know, that that play down the sideline where he didn't come back for the ball, and, and it looked to me like Mitch was kind of throwing a a back shoulder slash, you know, come back to the ball, get your you know pass interference and um, and move along kind of deal. And Robinson, I mean, he looks back. You see him look back for the ball, but he sees it is coming short, and never even makes an attempt whatsoever to even put his hands up like he's trying to catch the ball and that's really all you needed to do to get the penalty um and, and somebody pointed this out to me on, on twitter today that you know maybe he just didn't see the ball and granted that is certainly a possibility that that happened to josh bellamy earlier in the year where he just lost the ball in the sun um this is a night game i don't see where he would have lost the ball um, it's a it's a brown ball and the lights are, are are bright white. It's not baseball where you can you actually can lose the ball in the lights. But um, that being said, I'd be willing to give him the benefit of the doubt if it was the first time I saw this. But it's not the first time I've seen this. I mean, I can distinctly remember three different occasions where Mitch threw an interception where Allen Robinson just simply didn't even attempt to catch the ball because the ball was either slightly underthrown or slightly overthrown or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bears paid you $14 million a year to be a number one wide receiver. And number one wide receivers, frankly, go up and get the ball. You don't even have to catch the damn thing. Just go up and, and attempt to make a play on the ball, and you're going to get a, a pass interference call nine out of ten times. And the fact that you just don't even try is what is what upsets me about it. And then on the interception, um, look, that was that was not a great decision. It was I, I don't even know if the throw was good or not because Allen Robinson never got anywhere near where he was supposed to on that play. But take your pick, whether it's illegal contact, holding, or defensive pass interference. He was roped up and grabbed and taken down the field for at least 15 yards of that route. So at some point, you know, and I get it, maybe maybe Mitch is trying to get the, the penalty there 
and is throwing the ball in his direction to try to get the penalty. But either way, you can't do that. And, you know, that's one of those throws where I was really upset with because Ben Broniker comes out late in the flat and was wide open. He had about 12 yards of cushion or so. Um, it would have been an easy toss. I don't know if it's a first down, but it's at least seven, eight yards. You know, it, it keeps the, the drive going. So that's that's something that, that bothered me in that game. I did think that, uh, that, that Mitch settled for his first read a lot. Um, especially the shorter reads, and maybe that was being a little bit snake bit by the by the two interceptions. But his middle read, in my opinion, was open all day long. So the way that Matt Nagy t- tends to run his offense is he usually has a short, a middle, and a deep throw in the route concept. The middle section is what was open all day. And let's face it, when, when Mitch has been on, he's been hitting that middle throw. You know, he, he's always been hit or miss with the with the deep ball. Every quarterback is. Short passes, they only do so much for you. But those intermediate throws where they're, you know, in that 10 to 25-yard range, those are the passes that you have to hit. And they were open, and he just was not hitting them. He was going to the underneath routes. And and granted, he was, he was completing those passes, so you can't fault him too much for that. But there were plays to be made, and he wasn't either seeing them or trusting his ability to make those throws. Let's talk about a different wide receiver. <clears throat> you never think that we won this game, by the way, by just the opening comments here. Um, but Anthony Miller, he he scares me a little bit. In a like, good way or I, a bad way? In a, in a bad way. He, he's, he scares me because he seems a little mental. He seems a little crazy. And I think he's going to do – he's already done some stupid stuff, um, like when he batted that ball against Detroit for just no apparent reason, and uh, which ultimately led to a touchdown, you know, indirectly. Uh, when he was doing that, he took a huge hit <laughs> over the middle, held, held onto the ball, and then he was doing this feed-me thing <laughs> for an extended period of time, and, it, and the crowd loved it. They were going nuts. The best part of that was he starts doing it, and a guy got up off the ground and bumped him, and he shoved him out of the way and then started doing it again. And I was like, I love this. And see, for me, I love that because the this Bears team, it, it, they have a lot of nice, nice guys, in my opinion. They don't have a lot of big personalities. So I think it's good to have a couple of guys that have that sort of personality. You know, I think last year – the biggest personality you had on the team was Josh Bellamy, and that's not a good situation. That's not a good thing that's, when you're that's no good at all. You know, you're, you're wide receiver who's maligned for dropping balls, and really his only value to the team is on special teams is your 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 shit talker. Well, now you got Anthony Miller, who looks like he's going to be you know a legit player in this league, and he's going out there and he's doing this stuff, and and I love it personally. Um, I was just afraid he was gonna get flagged for it. I don't know what they flag anymore, but he was like it went on so long that I thought it was gonna be flagged and and uh, oh gosh, I can't remember what I was gonna say, but it was just he kind of started reminding me. I, I've always thought he was like a little poor man's Antonio Brown, which is a great thing to be. And after he started doing that stuff in the last couple of weeks, I started seeing more of like a Steve Smith 
about him, which is still yeah. not a bad thing to be. Nah, but he's, he's got some Steve Smith in him. And he, even he did that rowboat celebration, which apparently was an ode to Steve Smith. So he's uh, he definitely is a fan. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if you noticed this, but I I posted this on on Twitter, and actually. Um, Anthony Miller retweeted it, which I was oh. very pleased with. Tony. Um, so if you watch right before his touchdown catch from Mitch in, uh-huh. in the game, he goes like this, and I'm making a motion where he points to his wrist, and basically he was telling everybody that it's Miller time. <laughs> and it was Miller time. And I posted that because I'm like – I was just like, you know, hey, Anthony Miller, do you know what time it is? It's Miller time, you know? And he loved it. He was just, you know, he retweeted it with Miller time. And, um, yeah, it was uh, it was, it was huge because that is, that's, that's one of the coolest cool. things I've ever seen. <laughs> he, he's definitely uh, <clears throat> growing something because he, he was not I, – I didn't see any of this, like – I didn't. I didn't know anything about Anthony Miller other than he went to Memphis and that people were excited about him. You know, when we in the he was making all these catches in training camp and he looked good and it was all good stuff. And he just always seemed to me like this quiet dude that was, you know, playing really well and it was pretty exciting. Had a lot of upside and now last, you know, now all of a sudden he's feeling pretty comfortable. I think and he's starting to become a little bit of an animal. And uh, you know, speaking of animals, uh, did you see how much uh, Akeem Hicks was drooling throughout that game? He oh. was like an actual sh- bear. He, Man, multiple Akeem times Hicks the camera just... saw drool like dripping from his face mask. He is <laughs> he is an animal. I mean, that's that's the kind of game where you 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 know that Akeem Hicks can play like that. And I think every once in a while you hear Vic Fangio kind of challenge Akeem Hicks and say, "Hey, he can be better. As good as he is." There's more there. And that game is why he says stuff like that, because you know that he can do that, that he can single-handedly wreck the running game for a team. And he can get multiple hits on the quarterback, sack the quarterback, just completely wreck your game plan. And, you know, look, he's not not Aaron Donald, right? But with him and Khalil Mack on this defense, and, and you get a little extra something something with Bilal Nichols and, and Leonard Floyd and, and Aaron Lynch and Roy Robertson Harris and you know all those guys it, it's you add that together oh and Eddie Goldman I won't forget about him but um man that's that front seven no matter who's in there they are just eating offensive linemen for dinner and mm-hmm. it's it's fun to watch, man. This is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I think uh, Sunday Night Football, I was so excited that when the game ended, I knew they were going to have some player interviews on the field. And I was like, man, Akeem Hicks had five TFLs, six tackles, a sack, a pass deflection. He was drooling. Uh, they're definitely going to interview him. And they chose Mack and Parkey instead. And I, was, and I was like, wow, you really missed an opportunity. Akeem Hicks is quite a character. I think it would have been a fun interview after that when he would have been wired. Um, but then they literally picked, like, I'm sorry, I love Khalil Mack, but he's, like, kind of boring. Like, if you listen to him talk, he's oh, very... Yeah, like I said, he's there's a lot of nice guys on that team. He's a very chill dude, and, and Parky is a kicker. So you got two guys that were uh, very vanilla up there, and I saw Akeem Hicks talking to someone else in the background of their camera shot, and I was like, man, you really picked the wrong two guys. I'm sorry. Well, if... if 
if you haven't, I suggest you go back and go on the Bears website because Akeem Hicks was mic'd up for the game. Oh, I did not know that. That is very enjoyable, by the way. I would imagine so. There is a lot of a lot of good little nuggets in there. Um, Some some you know calling you know little huddles on the sideline to get get you know his teammates hyped up before they're about to go back out on the field and stuff like that. So that's awesome. That was watch that. That was good stuff. So, all right. Let's uh, done. yeah. Let's put a let's put a, a a toe tag on the Vikings game and uh, before we jump into Trubisky and Lions and stuff like that, which I know we want to talk about, I just want to ask you: Did you see the Monday night game? Of course, yeah. That was. Did you think that was like good football or just kind of dumb stuff? Because I thought it was kind of just like it was just silly to me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. Um, you know, I expect to see that sort of thing in. In college, I, I don't expect to see that in the NFL. Um, the defense was just atrocious, and I, and I and I get that there was, you know, three defensive touchdowns, and and two of them were caused by Aaron Donald, who's you know, if Khalil Mack isn't going to be in the conversation for for uh, defensive player of the year because of Aaron Donald, I'm okay with that because that dude is just he is having a year. And um, and I'm okay with that because I, I think Aaron Donald is 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 a great great player. But outside of that, I think you saw just two awful defenses and two really complex offenses attacking them with a ton of talent. But the other thing that I I noticed was if. Mahomes and Goff didn't have wide open receivers to throw to. They weren't making any throws. And if there was any pressure on them whatsoever, they completely folded. And that was a little disappointing to me because I I haven't watched a ton of either one of them, but I was expecting to see better than that from those two. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I I think the only reason I kind of bring this up, because it's, first of all, I was like, I don't know if that was the highest scoring game ever, but I would imagine it was. No, I don't know. No, was it not? Well, I know it was the only time a 50... They only beat the the Monday night record by a couple of points. Really? Because I, I, I thought I saw that they were the first... The Chiefs were the first 50-point scoring team to ever lose a game. <clears throat> well, that might be the case, but... Um... Either way, it was, it was a ridiculous game, so I bring it up. And also I bring it up because if the Bears are going to go deep, they're going to have to, you know, face the Saints or the Rams along the way. Or they will play the Rams... Um, and if they make it to the Super Bowl, it could be the Chiefs. Um, and I just was looking at that game, and I was like, I, I kind of not really that scared of either of them, because there's there's no really, the Bears might have the only really good defense in the NFL right now. I would agree with that. And and even them, they are they're not like this historically dominating defense, but there's really, like there's just not really any good. Defense is a lost art, and I think that the Rams are going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening when they come here in December, and they have to face a real defense for the first time all season. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Uh, they're going to have to play the best defense in the NFL. Um, and, and and this is something I thought about earlier today. Somebody asked me if if it's time to start calling the Bears defense elite, and. In my opinion, I was like, no, I, I don't think that this is elite defense. 
but then I, I, I took a step back and I thought about it for a second. And I, and I thought about it from this perspective. In 2018, with all the rule changes and the way that quarterbacks are just exploding across the NFL. Oh, you look I mean, at them the wrong way and you get flagged, you know? Yeah, every, I mean, everybody's playing well uh, on offense. I mean, scoring is way up this year. Quarterback, you know, uh, uh, quarterback ratings are, are at historic highs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you have to redefine what elite is in this era of football. And when you when you do look at it in the context of 2018, how the season is going, I think you have to say that the Bears are elite because they're first in virtually every category defensively. You know, they're they're first in takeaways, first in interceptions. They're like third in fumbles caused. Uh, they're first in um, points and yardage, and you know, both passing and running. They're, they're rushing. Uh, it, it's. It's unbelievable. Their run defense is insane. Yeah, they just overtook the Saints um, this week as the number one rushing defense in the NFL. I I don't know much about how how the Saints have gotten to that number, but I would have to imagine it was game flow. They score more points than anyone. Yeah, because they're putting up, you know, 40 burgers on everybody, and so everybody has to to pass just to keep up with them. So, um, and I did look this up real quick. So, that game last night was... um, Scored 105 points, yeah, okay. and the highest scoring game ever was 113 combined. Um, so they were off the mark by seven points, um, and that was a 70, 72 to 41 victory. Just crazy um, <laughs> for the Redskins over the the New York Giants in 1966. So you think that this was a crazy amount of points scored in a game in oh. 2018? Then 1966, that was like that was that's a like legendary, a, but. I just think this like I I just think it's stupid, man. Like I I'm really like worried a little bit about the the future of the NFL because I, I just like oh, I, it, I it totally just, am. It just doesn't feel right. This is like college stuff, you know. Like it 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 shouldn't be that high. And it, like Pat Mahomes had six touchdowns and like four turnovers five, and there's just well, five, five turnovers, turnovers and and just like. I just think it's bad football. I don't think that's good football. No, it's just it's, silly it's football. Not. And I'm sure there's. There's probably a lot of people out there that freaking loved it because there was like every everyone that plays fantasy football either played someone in that game or or had their opponent within in that game with a player and they had some legendary performance. You know, like there were so many guys in the fantasy world that like just had these stupid games that either won or lost in their weeks and yeah. And so then from that standpoint people probably like just are loving that but I think that I would think that most people I don't know maybe I'm wrong but I I just think it's dumb. I don't know. I I think that and, and this is a discussion for a whole other time but and I don't want to go off on a, on a tangent so I'm going to say this Cut and then off. and then move on here but um I think personally fantasy football has ruined the NFL. Um and it's, I think they're going down a path now that unless something changes within the next five to ten years, I think that the game is going to be forever changed. The physicality is going to be more or less gone from the game. Um, but, hey, you, you know, it is what it is. Ratings are still at an all-time high, so they must be doing something right. I, I will add one last thing, Just and this is more tying it back to the Bears a little bit. I saw, like, on Facebook, the NFL put out some video. <clears throat> this, like, 10-minute, like, little short 
thing on Walter Payton's, I think it was 1977 season, I'm sure if you follow the NFL on Facebook, you probably saw it on your feed. And I watched all 10 minutes of it, and it was awesome. Yeah, I saw that too. And But the one thing that stuck out to me is I was like, I mean, obviously I was not alive, you know, when that happened. Those guys were killing each other. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Like, I'm all for player safety, but I was like, holy crap, this is this is what football used to be. These guys were just hammering each other, and it looked and it looked cold in all these highlights. It looked like the ground was frozen, and people were slamming each other down to the ground, and quarterbacks were getting ass blasted. It was great, <laughs> <laughs> and you yeah. just would never see that, you know. Now, and it, it was just a really cool. Uh, if you can find it, if you didn't see it, it's pretty. It's pretty cool watch. But so anyway. Yeah, that was actually uh, posted on. On Witty City Gridiron, for those of you who didn't watch it, uh, Whiskey Ranger posted a, a link to that. Um, so that was uh, that was a fun fun little watch. Um, so yeah, moving forward to Detroit. Um, Back again. For those who have been living under a rock for the last day and a half or so, um, it appears that Mitch Trubisky has a right shoulder injury. Um, it appears that it happened on the late hit by Harrison Smith. Um, you know, late in the game, there's about three minutes left in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, it, look, it looked like he got hit in the left shoulder but drove his right shoulder into the ground. Some people say that he got up and, and grimaced. I, it looked to me like he got up and winked. Um, I'm on the grimace side for, for the record. I, I thought it was a, a painful face. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see it that way, but um, my understanding is that it's a mild AC joint sprain. So what that basically means is he can't really do any more damage to the shoulder. It's more of a pain management thing. Now, when you're talking about throwing the ball, you know, 25 to 45 times in a game, that pain management thing you know, becomes a little bit of an issue because if you have to, you know, really drive the ball, you don't know how much you're really going to get on it. I mean, we've all had, you know, a little bit of a uh, little bit of pains and, and things like that, you know, of that nature. You look at how Khalil Mack looked when, when he basically uh, sprained his ankle. Um, it's a little bit different, of course, but um I don't know. I, I have I have no information on whether or not Trubisky is going to play or it's going to be Chase Daniel. Um, I can tell you this, that there's two other players on the injury report, um, Aaron Lynch and Adam Shaheen, are both in the concussion protocol with the short turnaround. They have no chance of playing. Neither one of those guys are going to play. For Adam Shaheen, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm kind of okay with that. He was just coming back from injury anyway. I thought that he'd be pretty sore. Uh, he played 19 snaps against the against the Vikings. And and honestly, you know, take a step back real quick. You know, Adam Shaheen played played you know pretty well. He he was blocking really well. Um, he was open. Obviously, he scored on the two-point conversion. Very close to your bold prediction. I know, I know, I know. It was so close. It wasn't a touchdown, and it was from the two-yard line and not the one-yard line. But, um, yeah, very close to my prediction. That's basically how I saw it kind of kind of going down there. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as – let's just assume for the sake of the rest of this 
this episode that Mitch Trubisky is not going to play because that's what everybody seems to think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think that there could be some gamesmanship involved in this whole process. Um, however, you know, as far as game picks and, and that sort of thing, we have to kind of assume that he's not going to play. So what are your thoughts on this game with Chase Daniel as the quarterback? Well, see, you know, you said if you, unless you've been living under a rock for the last day and a half, apparently for the first day I was living under a rock because it was midday today, and this thing popped up on my phone that's you know that said Mitch you know, you know Schefter you know cautiously optimistic that you know Bears will or Trubisky will play, and that was <clears throat> news to me. I didn't even know that there was ever any question about it. So uh, I was definitely. Oh, we're looking at the the footage here of the wink or grimace. I don't know. It's like bull. It's like it's like half half and half. He, I can't tell. He, it's the way he nods his head and turns. I think his he's lip like. Up. I think he's pretending to be okay. Honestly. Yeah. What do you got to pull there? Sixty-two percent say wink. Thirty-eight percent say grimace. So yeah. <clears throat> so. Anyway, so let's okay. So so I was living under a rock, but I saw that, that blindsided me midday. Um, that's how much research I do. <clears throat> so Chase Daniel, I mean. Here's the deal: is I could feel like he's probably one of the better, I don't want to say best, but one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been, but he's like the best kept secret I think in the NFL too, because he's been on these teams that have not required his services, but he's been, you know, tootled by that of a Drew Brees uh, for a little bit. He was uh, in Kansas City, and I think he returned to New Orleans at a point. And I think he made one other stop. I don't know. I was looking yeah, at it earlier Philadelphia. today. So he's, oh, yeah. So there so you yeah, go. It's, so you got, you got Carson Wentz. You got was he Drew there when Brees, Wentz was there? I believe it was. It was recently. Whatever that 13 was. And if it's Philadelphia, it would have been recently. Um, and then you got Alex Smith in Kansas City. So the thing that, that I can tell you about Chase Daniel is he absolutely 100% knows this offense. All right. Mm-hmm. He probably knows this offense much better than Mitch Trubisky at this point. That was my take on it. Now, that being said, he only has 200 and some snaps in his whole career that he's taken in an actual NFL game. He's only thrown 70-some passes. Um, it, it's, it's not a huge sample size. So, <clears throat> and then the last time he played, I think, was 2014. So, I mean, we're going back a little ways here last time that that Chase Daniels played. He's had like one or two starts his whole career. I mean, I think really just one. Um, of any, or no, there was two. <clears throat> now I think about it, I can see his pro football reference page in my mind's eye. I think he's got one touchdown, one interception his whole career. Yeah, that's like sounds right. like 65% completion percentage, something like that. 81 quarterback rating. So just kind of like whatever middling numbers. But it's what you'd expect, I guess. It's not bad. The thing that I think is going to be comforting is you know that like Todd Collins ain't taking the football on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> Nathan Peterman is not is not suiting up for the Bears here. If, this is if not Mitch a guy. Can't he's go. not going to be a deer in headlights. He's going to be totally like comfortable and, and in command. Whether or not he, you know, has a off the charts game or whatever is <clears throat> certainly questionable. But like he's he's going to be a competent quarterback. It's not going to be some some dog shit quarterback that the Bears rolled out there. In years past, and so and hopefully this is what I'm thinking because this game has given me the heebie-jeebies for like three weeks. 
Like I, I don't yeah, like you this and game. a lot of other people. I don't like this game at all. You know, I think it's hard to beat a team twice in one season. I don't care who it is. Um, it's just tough. Even though a lot of teams in, our, in the NFC North beat the Bears twice a year for some time. Um, t- quick turnaround. You just played them. The Lions, even though we, you know, probably like to think that they're, you know, trash. Like they've beaten good teams. They surprised good teams this year. They just beat the Carolina Panthers last week. They beat the Patriots. They pretty much beat all the teams we lost to. And the Packers. Um, and the Dolphins. And so, like, they're you got to respect that. But I I hope that what this does is it looks it smelled like a trap game. It just gives gives me the willies, you know. But if Chase Daniels starting, I hope this the the, the type of effect that it has is like everyone kind of comes together and says, "Wow, we really got it." Not not to disrespect Chase Daniel, but you know, starting quarterback is out. We got to bring the heat. You know, the defense has to keep that level of play at at a, at a very high level. Everyone's got to be doing their job, and hopefully, you know, it kind of galvanizes the team a little bit, and they they avoid the, a trap game or a stumbling block because. I was looking at the schedule, like even though we got a commanding lead, like this is an important game. It's a very important. Game. They have, to, I mean, they don't have to win this game, but you let everyone else back in again if you lose, because you got some tough ones coming up. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think if the Bears win Thursday, their ticket is basically punched for the playoffs. Um, that gets you to eight and three with five games left and you really only need to win two of those. And then you still have the Giants and the 49ers included in those in those five games. So I think you're sitting in a pretty good spot if you win this game. Now that said, I I, I do agree with you on, you know, this galvanizing the team in a way and bringing them together, let's win one for Chase kind of deal. I think that that's going to be a rallying cry should that end up being the case. The other thing that we need to you know, taking into consideration is Darius Slay is is banged up. He's probably going to play, but but he did get banged up last week. They don't have on Johnson, their starting uh, running back, and they don't have Marvin Jones. Oh, really? And Golden Tate is 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 already been traded. Marvin Jones is out. Marvin Jones like, is out for real. Like, yep. That's official. No, so I got... they have literally Kenny Galladay. Oh man! And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much their whole offense. So. I I think as much as we worry about this game, the defense should stop the Lions pretty easily, in my opinion. So it's going to be more about the offense being able to just, you know, be competent, like you said. If, if Chase Daniel can, you know, complete a few passes, move the... the the Bears down the field, capitalize on turnovers, assuming that, that the Lions turn the ball over. I, I'm guessing that they're going to. Um, Matthew Stafford will throw you some interceptions. Um, on, on top of that, we saw the running game start to come to life. Now, this is what I had an issue with Matt Nagy last week uh, against the Vikings, is he kind of got away from Jordan Howard up the middle. Jordan Howard up the middle was going for about five yards a carry in that game until he got a little cute with the running game. And, look, I think that the best two games that the offensive line has played all season have been the last two games where your starting five is Leno, Daniels, Whitehair, Witzman, and Massey. That's been the best five 
combination so far this year. This will be their third game together, and they were really starting to open up holes in the running game. So I think moving forward, you can lean a little bit more on your running game than you have in more recent weeks because I do think that there were starting to be some holes there, and it's just a matter of time before Howard starts to pop a couple of those. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's finally starting to round into form. But, um, but yeah, just don't we got the big don't boy there in Detroit. You know, it's going to be tough to run through his fat butt. Snacks. And he's uh, sitting there eating. Yeah, I mean, you you got to do, do something, though. You have to figure out a way to run the ball a little bit, you know. And I, I think... I think that the Lions are probably going to be expecting the Bears to run the ball a lot. If it is Chase Daniel, that that hell, if if Trubisky plays, they're they're going to be expecting them to run the ball a lot too. I think what you have to do is you have to really work your your play action game, and I think you have to be patient with the running game. Um, they're going to load up the box, and the thing with loading up the box is if you get past that initial wave of the line of scrimmage there's nobody really behind you to stop the running back, which is part of the reason why Jordan Howard has been good in the past is because he'd always break those long runs, even though he didn't get touchdowns out of him. He still broke long long runs. So I think that's going to kind of be the game plan. I think they're going to have to work work the RPO off of that, work the play action off of that. Um, but I'm not worried about Chase Daniel too much because the offensive line, the pass blocking has been really, really good this year. So I think that they'll protect him and give him time. He just needs to make the right reads, you know, and deliver the ball, you know, on time and on target. And I think they're going to be fine. I still think that they can score 24, 27 points with Chase Daniel up there. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think they're going to change, deviate too hard from their normal, you know, whatever they normally would do with him. Which is good, you know. Like I don't think they're gonna have to rewrite everything for Chase Daniel. No, right? no. I mean, he's gonna just run the offense. You're probably not gonna see him, you know, keeping the ball a whole lot, running down the field like uh, Mitch Trubisky. But he's the best in the biz at that. How? What, what do you think about the Lions, though? Like, okay, so you you lost two weeks ago. Eleven days later, you got to play the same team. What would you see them doing? differently how are they going to learn like that that's what always scares me about like playing this, this game is that you won the first time and then the other team has an opportunity to make a you know adjustments and <clears throat> we, well, we talked to the bears like how do you make adjustments coming off a win how do you play it differently i was thinking well adam shaheen will be back no he won't mitch trubisky might not even be playing so there's a lot of crazy stuff going on on the Bears side but what, what do the lions do you know, honestly, I think what they're going to end up doing is is bringing a lot of pressure. I think that they're going to force Chase Daniel, and, and even if Mitch Trubisky plays, I think that they're going to force the quarterback to beat them. Um, and I, I think if it is Chase Daniel, I think that they're in good shape because I he, he does tend to get rid of the ball very quickly. So some of the times where... I think you've seen Trubisky struggle against the blitz where he holds the ball a little bit longer. I don't think you're going to have that same issue with, with Chase Daniel in the game. He does he does have a, a pretty quick you know trigger. Um, he does get rid of the ball 
you know, pretty fast. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of screens and a lot of, you know, short crossing routes and things like that. Um, especially early on in the game, they're going to try to do some things, but don't be surprised if you see, you know, a few trick plays come out of the, come out of the old uh, playbook, because when you have a backup quarterback in there, they're not expecting you to do that kind of stuff. And, and there might be a time in that game where you need to, you know, kind of spark the offense a little bit. And a lot of times those trick plays are just what, just what the doctor ordered. So we're going to see what that, uh, that Eddie Jackson price Callahan play might be this week. Since the time. Well, they didn't show that look against Detroit. Matt Patricia shit his pants one day. (laughs) Yeah, I I think because you showed it against Detroit last time, that's probably something that you're going to see come to fruition this time. But um, but who knows? So, what's your uh, key matchup? Oh, I think. Well, because, you know, we had a short turnaround and I didn't do any research. I had no time to prepare. And you tell me, carry on Johnson, Marvin Jones. I know carry on Johnson. I knew he was going to probably not play. And he's pretty good. Uh, Marvin Jones out. Jeez, I, I can't find anything on that side of the ball at this point. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I guess, you know, it's easy. Kenny Galladay is the only thing to, to look at. So my thing is just going to be the uh, just Matt Nagy kind of keeping things a little bit more simple on the ground game. I feel like, you know, you were totally right. Last game they were really opening up up the middle, and uh, he just got away from that, and he just got too smart for his own good, or really just too dumb. Like, I don't know. It was just very cute stuff, a lot of weird things in the second he half. He outdunned himself. He did. He outdunned himself, and, like, Jordan Howard to end up with a really kind of Another trash-ass line at the end of his three and a half yards of carry. It felt way better than that. So well, it was until late in the game when when uh, you know they they started doing some different things and um, yeah they were telegraphing some plays. I saw the the Vikings moving um, as Trubisky was checking into some plays. So that was something that I thought was a little a little concerning to me. Um, what about uh, here? I'll give you. I'll, this is this is what I'll give you. Is that you know? With the, let's pretend Chase Daniel's starting. You're not going to get that rushing production you got out of Trubisky with him back there. So you're going to have to run the ball, and you're going to have to do it while avoiding the big man in the middle. So that's kind of my matchup. Is how do you how do you approach that? How do you effectively run the ball up the middle with that big dude waiting for you? Outside zone. Very simple. I think that's going to be the key to this game, like it's been the key all season long, and they don't seem to want to, you know, change what they're doing. So I'm just not going to expect that anymore. But we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, score prediction. What's your key matchup? You just you you just pick it back number. Oh, is that yours? Yeah, my okay, my key, the same one. My key matchup. Uh, you know, I'm just going to have to go with. Um, you know, is, is this is going to sound like a cop out, but really, this game is going to come down to Matt Nagy versus Matt Patricia, Battle of the Mats. Oh, I like our chances then. That's, you know, that's it's it's about. who's going to come out there? Is 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 can Patricia disguise enough and confuse Chase Daniel and what he's going to do? And can Matt Nagy create a game plan where he can dictate the game? offensively 
because Vic Fangio is going to be fine. I'm not worried about our defense. That that matchup, I think, is is just completely one sided. So it's going to be Bears offense versus Lions defense, uh, both hobbled, and it's going to be interesting to see how each one of them comes out and tries to overcome you know the issues that they have on their respective side of the ball. So that's what I'm going with. Cool. Let me let me talk a little Khalil Mack really quick before we go score predictions. Just some things I was thinking about. What's the the over under on like 300 pound men that Khalil Mack just obliterates on <laughs> Thursday? One and a half. He's gonna do it one time, right? Because one and a half. How many 300 pounders is he gonna toss around with one arm? Because he did it against the Lions. He just clowned that dude. Yeah, that he's he is something else. Well, you think about that one and then here's another one that I, I'm going to steal this one I, don't, I haven't seen it on the interwebs but I loved it we're watching the game on Sunday night and my buddy you know they showed that Khalil Mack had the, the sack the forced fumble and the fumble recovery did not all happen on the same play but uh, he called that a Mack trick I think we should start circulating that every time he gets a that's the Mack trick sack fumble recovery and forced fumble I loved it I like it. Have you seen that? Has that been yeah, anywhere? I've not All seen right, that. All right, let's make t-shirts. Mac trick. All, All right. right, scores. You want me to go first? Well, yeah, I don't. I, oh, you can't. The, you can't. Yeah, mine goes the on the website. Okay, okay. I think it's going to be a tight one. As much as I'd like this to be a bloodbath, I think it's going to be like something squirrely, like 26-22 bears. Huh, interesting. Okay, I'll take it. All right, well, that's going to do it for Episode 6 of the Bearsling Podcast. Um, you can find me at Winnie City Gridiron, and you can also find this podcast at any place where you typically get your podcast from, whether that's the iTunes Store or Google Play Store. Uh, remember to subscribe and... Leave any kind of feedback. It's always appreciated. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at BearsLink82. And that's going to go ahead and do it for us. So for Kevin, I am Andrew. And bear down, folks. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.